Have you ever been just terribly thirsty? A time that stands out to me, I was stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and it was August, and we were out in the field doing training. And the guys who were being our opposing force were doing exceptionally well at hitting our supply trains, and we were having problems getting resupplied with food and with water. With food, wasn't so bad. But the water part was really tough. It was Kentucky in August and it was hot and humid. And we generally walked about 8 to 10 miles a day through the hills of Kentucky in that summer heat and humidity. Um, With our water supply running low, we were pretty miserable. Finally, after a couple of days of no water resupply, we were all almost out of water. And we were told to kind of walk into the battalion headquarters and get some water there since they couldn't seem to get it to us out in the field. So we arrived at the water arrived at headquarters and we saw uh, the water bags and we could see condensation on the outside of it telling us that it had ice in it. And at that moment, that water was all that we wanted. It wouldn't have mattered what else they had to offer us. Uh, It wouldn't have mattered whether they had sodas or Kool-Aid. We didn't want coffee. All we wanted was ice water. Nothing else would have satisfied us. I was thinking about that as I was looking at the text we're going to talk about today. Because I know that I go through periods in my spiritual life where this is how I feel. Just... Just very thirsty, for lack of a better way to explain it. Thirsty for something more. In these times, I feel dissatisfied with my current state and my spiritual life. I feel like there's something that I'm missing. And I think we all probably go through periods of our spiritual lives like this. And I was thinking about it, and I think we're supposed to. It's in these times of when we're dissatisfied that kind of spur us on to seek Jesus out more, to dig more into the Word, to pray more, to push deeper into the Gospel. Um, these times, I think, always really precede spiritual growth in our lives. But when these times come, where do we find the what can quench our thirst? Where do we go so that we can find what can take care of this for us? We're going to look at that and answer that question today. Open your Bible to John chapter 7. Verse 37, this page 816 in the Pew Bibles. When you find that, I'll ask you to stand on the reading of God's Word. Jesus says on the, the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The title of the message this morning is Living Water. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you today. We praise you and we worship you. And we, we want, more than anything, to do your will. We want to accomplish your will in this world. We want to... Do the things that would bring you honor and would bring you glory. We want to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We, we want you to give us these times of thirst and dissatisfaction so that we would seek more and draw closer to you. Help us never to be complacent in our spiritual lives, never to just go through the motions, but always to want to know you better, be better able to make you known, be, have more of your spirit and more of your grace, and be better able to tell others about you. Guide us today as we look at your word that you would speak to us. Help us to have ears to hear and hearts that would receive. And let our hearts be the good ground that it would bring forth fruit in our lives. Fill me today with your Holy Spirit that I could speak your words and your ways. And that you would be glorified in all that happens. Help us to respond in ways that would demonstrate you were Lord over our lives. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. 
You may be seated. Now, verse 2, it tells us that when this was going on, that this is the Feast of the Tabernacles. And the Feast of the Tabernacles was a, about a week and a little over a week long event in which the Jews would kind of stay in shelters out in the street. Uh, and the purpose of that was to remind them of their journey in the wilderness. And on the, the last day was the great day of the feast. And it was in, in this backdrop that Jesus stands up in verse 37 and speaks. And he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, Jesus gives this great invitation for all who are thirst to come to him. But he doesn't really explain what it is. So John writes a note down at the bottom said, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus has not yet glorified. So the the Holy Spirit, the thirst that what satisfies our thirst, it is the Holy Spirit. And what we're what Jesus is talking about here is something that that would come. Upon his ascension into heaven, it was something that that started being fulfilled in the days of Pentecost when Peter preached and said, therefore, being exalted the right hand of God and having received from the father the promise, of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children, to all who are afar off, as many as our Lord God will call. Now there's a lot in that passage, but just the main thing I want you to see from this is that the Holy Spirit this is the promise and it's for you and to your children, all who are far off, as many as our Lord God will call. And so the, the Holy Spirit, what Jesus is speaking about here, this is for all of us. Every believer can and should live a spirit filled and a spirit controlled life. And when we when we desire that something more, when we feel like that something more is missing, what we need, what satisfies this thirst it is the Holy Spirit. He draws us into deeper levels and he works in our life. And that is the main idea I want you to understand is that the Holy Spirit satisfies that deepest thirst of my soul. That the Holy Spirit satisfies the deepest thirst of my soul. Now, if you're using the, the handout and you're looking at it and it's double-sided and you're thinking, wow, um, it's not nearly as long as it looks like, I promise. At least I don't think it is. Um, the Holy Spirit, that when we thirst for something, Jesus is the bread of life that satisfies our hunger. But the Holy Spirit is the living water that satisfies our thirst. And you think, well, how does the Holy Spirit do this? How does the Holy Spirit satisfy this craving that we have within us? And, and it's in the things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And so as I was looking at that, there is so much that the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is and he does in the life of a believer. And I just want to cover a few this morning. One of them is that the Holy Spirit produces good fruit in my life. Right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, we're familiar with all of that. We know the, about the fruit of the Spirit. But I think what we often forget when the Holy Spirit producing this fruit in our lives and how this can be a, something that satisfies the thirst in our soul is that really the best way the Holy Spirit produces this is in times of, of opposition. Right? I mean... It's easy to love those who love us, right? But it's challenging to love those who don't love us, who curse us, or who are unkind to us. And yet, those are the people that the Bible says we are to love. So how, how can we love them? How can we satisfy that when we know that we should, but we don't? Well, the Holy Spirit produces that love in our lives. That the joy, right? It's easy to have joy when everything in our lives is going exactly the way that we think it ought to. But how do we have joy 
when there's a storm, when it feels like the circumstances of life are all against us. Well, that is not something we can manufacture, but that is something the, the Holy Spirit can produce in our life. The peace, the same way. It's easy to have peace when my life is the way it should be. But when there's a problem or a trial or a storm, man, peace is a difficult commodity to find. How do we have that when we crave it so deeply? The Holy Spirit gives that to us. Long-suffering. Right? The idea of, of long-suffering is basically, basically to put up with stuff. It's easy to be long-suffering if nobody's getting on my nerves. Right? But if somebody is getting on my nerves and I want to blow up and tell them how I feel... Well, then the Holy Spirit can give me long-suffering and keep me from acting in that way. It's easy to be kind until I really want to be mean. Right? But the Holy Spirit can empower me to be kind when I want to be mean. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all of those. All of those things, we know that we should have those, and we want those things in our lives. And it's easy to be self-controlled, and it's easy to be faithful and good when we, when it's, when we want to be that way. But God doesn't want us to be those things only when we want to be. He wants us to be those things all of the time. And if we are truly born again, we want that as well. We want to act in self-control. We want to be good. We want to be long-suffering. And we can't make that on our own. But the Holy Spirit, He can. He can produce this fruit in our lives. So that even in the hard times, even when we're tempted not to love, we can love. Even when we're tempted to blow up, we can be long-suffering. Even when we're tempted to be cruel, we can be kind. Even when we're tempted to be self-indulgent, we can be self-controlled. But the Holy Spirit is that living water that satisfies us through the fruit that He produces in our lives. The Holy Spirit also, He teaches us. Right? Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will tell you things to come, and He will glorify Me. For He will take what is Mine, and He will declare it to you. Right? The Holy Spirit, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer is He teaches us. He helps us to understand God's Word. Have you ever been reading a passage, and maybe it was a passage you had never before understood, and suddenly just a light clicks, you're like, oh, I know what that means now. Right? That is what the Holy Spirit does in our life. Or you're reading a passage you have understood, and suddenly you understand it in a way you've never seen it before. That is the Holy Spirit, and that's what He does, and He, he teaches us, He helps us, because, I mean, the Bible is a, a living book. Right? And for most of us, like we try to read through the Bible every year. I know I try to read through the Bible every year. And if I were to read any other book every day, every year, it would get boring. It would get old. It wouldn't matter how good the book was to read it every day, every year. The same stuff would get old and stale. How, is the, how do we keep from the Bible getting stale in our studies? Well, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us, the Holy Spirit to illuminate things, to, to open our hearts that we can understand great and wonderful things out of His Word. The Holy Spirit also, He makes me like Jesus. Second Corinthians, Paul said, but, but we all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. At the goal of the Christian life, is that we would be like Jesus. Now, for most of us, that's going to take a lot of work. And it's not something that we can do on our own. It is something that, that is supernatural, that we need something beyond us. Because what we tend to do is to look at ourselves and say, I'm pretty all right. 
But we need something that's the Holy Spirit to say, you need to work on this. This is wrong. You need to fix this. You need to change here. You need to do this. And what the Holy Spirit does is he gradually and but consistently works in us and works on us so that we can be more and more like Jesus. I mean, how do we keep our spiritual lives from getting stale? How do we keep from feeling like we're just checking a box and going through the motions? We grow spiritually. We grow and become more and more like Jesus. We see actual things that where we are places where we are different because of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. The Holy Spirit empowers me to overcome sin. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Right? Our sinful nature, it's always there. And it's always at work in our lives. Right? And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you know this. There is a part of you that wants to do what God wants you to do. But just as much as there is a part of you that wants to do what God wants you to do, there is a part of you that wants to do something else. There is a part of you that pulls you in the opposite direction of what God wants you to do. And throughout our lives, that that struggle will always be real. And which one wins the struggle? In the end, it's going to be the one that we surrender to. If I surrender to the Holy Spirit, I will never fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The Holy Spirit will never lead me to sin. The Holy Spirit will never lead me to act in a sinful way or do a sinful thing. The Holy Spirit will always lead me in the path that God wants me to go in. And so through the Holy Spirit, I can conquer the sin in my heart. I can overcome the pull of the flesh. I can can get past that and I can live a victorious, obedient life of holiness for the glory of God. The Holy Spirit makes me aware of God's love for me. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, we all know, I mean, because if you were raised in church, one of the first things you learned was that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. For most of us, John 3.16 was our very first memory verse. But for all of us, there have been times where we went beyond knowing God loves me to just... For lack of a better, I I could feel that God loves me. There was just an overwhelming sense of the fact that God was with me, that God cared for me, and that God loved me. That was the Holy Spirit making God's love real in our lives. Making making it just so that we know. We know that our God is real. And we know that our God loves us. And we know that our God has saved us. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. In our lives. The Holy Spirit gifts and empowers me to serve Jesus. The first Corinthians 12 says there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the workings of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But the one and same Spirit works in all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. But each one of us, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has given us a spiritual gift that we are to use for the glory of God and the advancement of His kingdom. 
Right? And that is, I mean, that is without fail. Each and every born-again child of God, the Spirit works in and gives them a spiritual, at least one spiritual gift. And the Holy Spirit gives us this spiritual gift so that we can serve the Lord and we can advance the gospel. And then he enables us and he empowers us to use this gift in the right ways, in the right times, in the ways that will bring glory to God and advance his kingdom. Right? And for some, that the thirst that's within us is just like, I want to, I want to do more. I, I want there to be more in my life that's about Jesus. Well, the Holy Spirit will satisfy that thirst because He gives you a spiritual gift. He shows you how to use it, and then He empowers you to be fruitful and effective in the way that you use it. The Holy Spirit empowers me to share the gospel. But you shall receive power, and the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Chances are, every person that's born again wants to help other people come to know Jesus Christ. There's a desire within us to lead people to know Jesus Christ. That is a God-given desire. And on our own, though, we can't do it. On our own, we're unable. But the, the promise is, as we go out and as we begin to share the gospel, the Holy Spirit will empower us. And we will be able to be His witnesses. Now, I do want to point out, it doesn't necessarily say we're going to lead everybody we want to know to Christ. But it does say that we will be empowered to be His witnesses. We'll be able... To tell them things we have seen and what God has done. We'll be able to explain the gospel and leave it to them and leave it to God to make a difference in their lives. The Holy Spirit gives and renews my hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the hope that this world is not all that there is. That there is something better. That is a something the Holy Spirit gives us in life. But the Holy Spirit not only gives us hope, He renews this hope. Right? And He renews this hope through things that He's continually doing. Every time the Holy Spirit reveals something to us from Scripture, that's just a further reminder that God is at work in our lives. Every time the Holy Spirit sheds the love of God abroad in our heart, that is just a reminder that God is with us and that God cares. Every time the Holy Spirit says, there's something in your life that's not right that you need to work on, that is just a reminder that God is not through with me yet. And all of these things build hope. All of these things encourage us and strengthen us and renew our hope in the Lord. And just the, the Holy Spirit leads me. And really, this is kind of the, just the general one. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And the idea of walking in the Spirit is just to keep in step with Him, to walk side by side, and for Him to lead us in every area of our lives. I think the message paraphrase words it, that the Holy Spirit will lead us in every detail of our lives. Now, that's a, I mean, that's a big thing. Have you ever thought about that? Every detail of our lives that just lead us in all things that we do. If you're like me, I grew up, and my idea of the Holy Spirit leading us was that the Holy Spirit would lead us in what I would call obvious stuff, right? I mean, He's holy, so obviously the Holy Spirit would lead me to do holy things. He would lead me not to sin, to do right things. The Holy Spirit would lead me to church, to read my Bible, and to pray. Uh, and the things that we talked about earlier, you know, lead me to share the gospel. He would give me the power to, to serve the Lord, and all of those things. 
But have you ever thought about how the Holy Spirit might lead us beyond that? Right? Because all of that is, is vastly different than every detail of our lives. Which is the, the picture here that the Holy Spirit would lead us in all things. So there's the obvious stuff that the Holy Spirit would lead us in. What about the not so obvious stuff? Right? And I was thinking, what are some ways that the Holy Spirit might lead us that we wouldn't consider? I think of things we see in Scripture. Things like the Holy Spirit might lead us in our finances. Now, I'm not talking about like tithes and offerings. But what about beyond that? I mean, what if, what if the Holy Spirit, we want to go buy a new toy. And the Holy Spirit wants us to take that money and send it to loaves and fishes or send it to missions or something along those lines. I mean, is it, is it possible that if the Holy Spirit is going to lead us in every detail of our lives... He might lead us to do more with our money than just spend it on ourselves. Or, or our time. Right? I mean, we all have a certain amount of time that's discretionary time. We read books, we watch TV, we piddle on Facebook, we play games, we do things. And if the Holy Spirit is going to lead us in every detail of our lives, isn't it possible that He might want us to do something more than that? Right? Or, or maybe even as far as time goes, maybe what the Holy Spirit would want us to do is the Holy Spirit would say, you're doing too much and it's hindering your relationship with Jesus. And what you need to do is let some things go so that you can spend more time praying and reading your Bible. Or maybe you're just not doing enough. And the Holy Spirit might say, you know what? You're not really serving the Lord with zeal. You need to, to pick it up a notch. The Holy Spirit's going to lead us in every detail of our lives. Couldn't He possibly lead us in that? Or, or relationships. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about the kind of relationships we have. And, and in the Bible, there are certain kinds of relationships that we are absolutely not supposed to have. And so if we have those, wouldn't the Holy Spirit say, break that off? Or if there, there are certain kinds of relationships we're supposed to initiate, the Holy Spirit might say, go and befriend them. So that you can eventually tell them about Jesus. Or maybe the Holy Spirit would lead us to cultivate a relationship. Right? You're, you've kind of slacked off from them. Maybe I want you to go and spend more time with them. To be better friends with them. Or even, even the way we talk. I mean, doesn't the Bible have a lot to say about how we speak? Right? And so, isn't the Holy Spirit, if He's going to lead us in every detail of our lives, couldn't He, couldn't he lead us? To talk differently. To not say certain things. To not tell certain kinds of jokes. To be more gracious and more kind and more life-giving in the way that we speak to and about others. I mean, the Holy Spirit, if we're talking, lead us in every detail of our lives. There is no area of our lives that would go untouched. He could lead us at work and how we treat our employees or our co-workers. He could lead us in, in any number of ways. But all of that is true of what the Holy Spirit does. He, he leads us in every area of our lives. Now, when we think about this, one thing that's important to understand is the idea of being filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit. This is not for super Christians. This is for all believers. And do not be drunk with wine. Which is dissipation, or some translations, excess. But be filled with the Spirit. Right? And there's two commands. The negative, do not be drunk with wine. And then the positive, be filled with the Spirit. And the idea of being filled with the Spirit 
is not a, a one-time event. It's not that at one point in my life I'm filled with the Spirit and so I'm good to go from there. In fact, I, I'm not in any way a Greek scholar, but the idea in the Greek is be being filled with the Spirit. It is a continual thing. And the way I tend to look at it is like gas in a car. Right? You don't just fill up your, ga- your car once and then it's good for life, do you? I mean, that would be great considering what gas prices are, but that's just not the way the world works. You fill it up and then you use it up and then you fill it up again. And you do this over and over and over. And that's the way being filled with the Spirit is. I mean, if you read through the book of Acts, you're going to find multiple instances of the Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples. And it's saying, and they were filled with the Spirit. Right? Just as we need to be fill up our gas tanks over and over again, we need to be filled with the Spirit over and over again. I mean, think about the things that I talked about the Spirit doing in our lives. Right? There is no one time suddenly we get it all and we have it forever. We need to be filled with the Spirit today, and then tomorrow we'll need to be filled with the Spirit again, and then the next day we'll need to be filled with the Spirit again. It is a a constant over and over and over. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God. The question is, how do we do this? I mean, it's one thing to say, that's the life I want to live. But how can we be filled with the Spirit and live a Spirit-filled and a Spirit-controlled life? And I think Jesus... He gives us three conditions that we have to meet, I think. I don't know that there is a program and you do this, this, and this, and suddenly, boom, the Spirit falls and you're empowered. I I would love to say that's how it happens, but it just doesn't seem to work that way in my life. But I do believe what we see here from Jesus is that there are certain conditions that we have to meet. Number one, I must want it. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, there's a, a desire for that. And so the question I would ask is, do you want to live a spirit-filled and a spirit-controlled life? Is there a, a desire within you for that? Now, obviously the right answer is yes, right? We did chapel last week at, at school, and I talked about Jesus taking our punishment. And I said it'd be like if one kid gets in trouble... And just before he's about to get a whip, another kid comes in and says, I'll take the punishment. And I used two kids as an illustration. And I, I said, now, in the older kids, I said, it's Luke Bryan. I said, now, Luke, are you that good of a friend? And Luke said, well, it depends. But when I asked the kindergartners, the kindergartner I asked said, absolutely, I'm that good of a friend. He's been to Sunday school. He knows what the right answer is. Right? And so we talk about this. And you want to be filled with the Spirit? Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's exactly what I want. But, I mean, do we really? Because when we talk about being spirit-filled and spirit-controlled, I mean, we're talking about all of the things that we just looked at, right? Being empowered to share the gospel means what? I'm going to have to share the gospel. Being empowered to serve Jesus means what? I'm going to have to, to serve Jesus. Being filled with the fruit of the Spirit means I'm going to have to love the unlovable. I'm going to have to be self-controlled. I'm going to, I'm going to have to do the things that the Spirit enables me to do. And the thing is, there are so many things that the Spirit might lead us to do that we can't say them all. But I think there are three broad categories as we look at Scripture of ways the Holy Spirit would lead us if we want to do this. Number one, I have to be willing to leave my comfort zone. I mean, you don't find anyone in Scripture who lived a Spirit-filled and Spirit-controlled life that kept on doing the same thing every day of their lives. 
every one of them had to leave their comfort zone. Now, their comfort zones may have been different and what they were supposed to do may have been varied from person to person to person. But I can promise you that if right now we are not spirit filled and spirit controlled believers, that being spirit filled and spirit controlled will not leave us doing exactly what we're currently doing. Things will have to change. And if you're like me, your routines bring you comfort. I am a, I'm like my dad. I'm a very routine person. I wake up in the morning and I do the exact same things every single day. In the exact same order. When I get ready for bed, I get ready for bed in the exact same way. My weeks are largely exactly the same. I like my routines. But if I want to live a spirit-filled and spirit-controlled life, The Holy Spirit doesn't follow my routines, and He's not as concerned about my comfort about that as I am. So I must be willing to leave my comfort zone. And in fact, I would ask, if we we never venture outside of our comfort zones, I mean, can we honestly say that we are spirit-filled, spirit-controlled believers? Am I willing to leave my comfort zone? Secondly, be faithful. One of the things that the Holy Spirit led people to do was do things that were hard and keep doing them. And it would be great to say, you know what? You pray to be filled with the Spirit. You're filled with the Spirit. Suddenly, it's all going to be easy. You're going to, the fruit of the Spirit is just going to come naturally to you. And tomorrow when your coworker gets on your nerves, you're just going to love them to death, bless their hearts. But that's probably not going to happen. Instead, you're going to have to choose to exercise self-control. And you're going to have to choose to love them in that moment when you really, really, really don't want to. Right? We have to, to be faithful. We have to keep on, even when it gets hard. People that followed the Spirit did hard things. And the hard things that they did often got harder as they kept going. And they had to keep going through the hard. They had to keep going and not quit. And so I would ask, if we quit when something gets hard, can we honestly say we are spirit-filled, spirit-controlled believers? I mean, am I, I say I want to be filled with the Spirit, but am I willing to be faithful even when it's hard? And then a third thing is trust God. When the Holy Spirit led people, They had to do things that were beyond themselves. They had to do things that were that required them to trust God to do it. Think about like Gideon in the book of Judges, having to weed down his army from a few thousand when they were greatly outnumbered anyway to just a few hundred and go into battle with when they were terribly outnumbered. What did he have to do? He had to trust that God who had led him is the God who would give him victory. But any time the Holy Spirit leads us, it will always require faith on our part. It will always require us to to try something that we don't think we can do. It will always require us to attempt something we're not sure if it will work. Right? The Holy Spirit is always going to lead us to a life of faith. If I can do it all on my own, I don't need God. And the Holy Spirit is going to always lead us to a place where we desperately, definitely need God. 
So if I am not ever going beyond myself and, and I'm fully capable of doing everything I always do, can I honestly say I'm a spirit-filled, spirit-controlled disciple of Jesus Christ? I say I want to be filled with the Spirit. But am I willing to step out by faith and do things that might honestly scare me to attempt? I must want it. Secondly, I must seek it. Right? Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Right? There's, there's effort. There's, there's not just saying, yes, I want it. But there is a, a coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, give me this. Right? And, and in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells us about this. He says, and so I tell you, keep on asking. And you will receive what you asked for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, a couple of things quickly about that. One, notice... The prayer there is described as actions. Right? Ask, seek, and knock. Now, there is a definite seeking involved in that. There is, there is in this, there is more than just saying, God, give this to me. God, make this happen. Now, there is a definite searching of things out, putting forth effort, trying. But also, there is a, a definite, in the praying, a persistence. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Again, I would love to tell you that if you come down and pray this morning, because we're going to have a time of invitation and invite everybody to come and pray for the Holy Spirit to guide them. And you could pray this morning, and there's just going to be a certain endowment of power upon you. And when you get up, you're going to be the most spirit-filled, spirit-controlled disciple you've ever been in your life. I would love to say that's what's going to happen, but I can't promise that. Because there are always times where God makes us be persistent. Do we really want it enough to pray and keep on praying? Do we really want it enough to seek it and pray for it and ask and ask and ask until He gives it? Because that's what He intends for us to do. But also I want you to notice that there is a certainty that God will give it. If we being evil will give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give us the Holy Spirit when we ask? Pray expectantly. Seek it with a certainty that at some point God will fill you with the Spirit. That you can be a Spirit-filled Spirit-controlled disciple of Jesus Christ. That God will produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. That God will enable you to share the gospel. That God will renew your hope. That God will gift you to serve Him. That God can and will do all of those things in your life. Believe it because it's a certainty. You have to seek it. And expect it. But be sure it will come. And then the final condition. I have to want it. I have to seek it, but I must believe it. The last thing Jesus said is, he who believes in me, the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And I think there are, there are two applications for this. I think there is an application for 
believers in this. As believers, when we want it and when we seek it, we must believe it's possible. I mean, do you really believe that it's possible for the Holy Spirit to control you and to guide you in every area of your life? Do you really believe that God, that the Holy Spirit can empower you to share the gospel? Do you really believe that the Holy Spirit can empower you to serve Christ? Do you really believe that the Holy Spirit can make you bear the fruit of the Spirit in your life so that you can love the unlovable and be self-controlled when you want to be self-indulgent? Do you really believe that is possible? Because one of the most common things we see that Jesus said is, be it done to you according to your faith. And I think one of the things that hinders us as, as Baptists is we don't really believe this is possible. We see it in the book of Acts, and we see things like this, but we, we think that was, that was for then. For now, it's different. The world is different, and the Holy Spirit just doesn't work like that anymore. And so we don't really expect it to happen. We don't really believe that we'll be different because of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And so... It's done to us according to our faith. We don't believe it, and so we don't receive it. I think with all of us, there has to be a, I, I believe. I believe this is possible. I believe the Holy Spirit can give and renew hope. I believe the Holy Spirit can shed the brother of God abroad in my heart. I believe the Holy Spirit can teach me and keep the word of God fresh. I, be, I believe All of these things are possible. And that is a key. Now, do we have to have like a perfect faith? No. My favorite story in the Gospels is a guy who comes to Jesus and he asks him to cast the demon out of his son. And Jesus said, he said, if you can. And you said, if I can. All things are possible to those who believe. And the guy says, I believe. Help my unbelief. I love that. Because Jesus does what the guy asked. Right? Jesus didn't require him to have this perfect kind of faith where it was just an absolute certainty Jesus was going to do it. He had an honest faith. I believe. Help me when I doubt. And that may be where a lot of us have to start. I mean, we may have never, we've never seen this kind of a life before. We've never experienced the Holy Spirit in this way before. And so we think, gosh, you know, I believe it's possible because it's in the Bible. But God, there's, there's a part of me that wonders. Help me. Not to doubt. I think that's an honest faith that God honors. We have to believe it's possible. And that's the application for believers. Now for unbelievers. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. The application for you is to believe in Jesus for your salvation. The Holy Spirit does not empower an unbeliever to do anything. The Holy Spirit does not fill the unbeliever to do anything. The Holy Spirit works in an unbeliever's life to do one thing. To bring them to a place where they believe in Jesus Christ. That's it. He convicts of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He makes you aware of the fact that you have sinned against a holy God and you are guilty in the courts of God. He makes you aware of the fact that you have no righteousness of your own, but that there is righteousness available through Jesus Christ. Now, if you're here today and you have never called upon the Lord to save you, what you need to do is not believe that the Holy Spirit can do those things. You need to believe on Jesus Christ for your salvation. And then the Holy Spirit will come 
into your life. And then the Holy Spirit will indwell you. And then the feelings and all of the other things can come from the Holy Spirit. But all of that hinges upon your calling upon Jesus to save you. Believing that he died on the cross for your sins. Believing that he rose again on the third day. Believing that if you call upon him, he can and he will save you. And then calling upon him, saying, Jesus, save me. And if you believe, and if you receive him in that way, then rivers of living water will flow into you and will flow out of you. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. And this promise is to as many as the Lord our God will call. So if the Lord is dealing in your life and calling you to Jesus today, then all of these things we've talked about, they can be yours if you come to Jesus. Let's all stand.